Well, good morning, church. I am so thankful to be up here this morning as we continue our series on Abraham called Road Trip, uh, where the question is, how do we drive when we don't know where we're going? This is an interesting thought to me, that we would try to go somewhere, we would, uh, we would be traveling somewhere without directions or, or know where we're going. But that's where we find Abraham in a sense of, of traveling and not having uh, the directions he may want, right? And so uh, this, this kind of sounds opposite of the way we actually want to travel. It also kind of reminds me of a funny little story of when I, was, uh, when I would travel with my mom's parents growing up, my, my grandparents. Um, this was before turn-by-turn directions, and so uh, my, grand, my granddad would drive, and my grandmother would pull out the map and navigate. And this is how I remember most of the, the trips going. It probably wasn't every time like this, but this is how I remember most of them, was as we were approaching our destination, uh, my grandmother would say, Mervin, that was my granddad's name, Mervin, uh, we're coming up to our exit or we're coming up to our turn, so you need to get over. My granddad, silence, doesn't move over. A few miles later, maybe a few minutes later, my grandmother would say, Mervin, I'm telling you, our exit's coming up. You need to get over. And eventually he would answer and say, no, you know what? I think, I think, uh, I think we're, it's a little bit further. I think we're good. I think the, our exit's uh, you know, on a couple, uh, a couple down. So a few seconds later, Mervin, this is our exit. You need to go. Exit right now. Said, no, Janetti, that's my grandmother's name. Janetti, I think, I think it's, it's on down. So we'd pass the exit, and sure enough, a few minutes later, my granddad would look at my grandmother and say, you know what? I think that was our exit back there. <laughs> my gra- As you can imagine, my grandmother would get very frustrated um, uh, because she had the map. She knew the direction. She knew where she was going. And my granddad, even though he may have an idea of the, of the area that we're going to, he needed a map to tell him how to get there, right? And that's where we find... Abraham, similarly, that he needs, he needs some direction, but, but he's been asked to go even though he doesn't have it. Um, uh, this week, we're going to continue following them in Genesis 15, 1 through 6. But, but last week, we saw the beginning of their journey, of their journey in Genesis 12, where, where God asked them to step out in faith, pack up their stuff, leave their uh, familiar, and, and, and head out on a journey. Um, uh, and, and, uh, uh, and he told them that he was going to show them where to go. He, he told them he was going to bless them in great ways. He was going to make them into a great nation. But there was one issue. He didn't give them the exact location, the directions, or even when this blessing was going to come. Uh, and so uh, we, we find ourselves with, with Abram um, needing to trust God. You know, John told us last week that that's what we're, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to, to trust God. When he asks us to go, uh, when he shows us where to go, that, 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 that we follow him and trust him. So that's what Abram did. He stepped out in faith. He packed all of his stuff up, got his snacks ready, fired up his Spotify playlist, and hit the road. Um, and, and so we find them in a, still a very uncertain time in their life. Let me say this, some of you may identify with that this morning. I know I've been in places of uncertainty in my life. Some of you this morning, there may be a lot 
of anxiousness in your life. Maybe, maybe you lost a loved one lately and, and there's a void in your life that you don't know how you're going to fill. Maybe you have, feel the weight of a financial burden that is causing a lot of stress and anxiety in your life. Maybe you're transitioning to a new stage of life, a new job, coming out of college, whatever that may look like. Um, and uh, in your life, that is just an area of uncertainty. You, you know that it's gonna look, your life's going to look very different, but you're not sure how yet. Listen, there's going to be times in our life that are far less clear, far less definite, and we're far less confident in where our life is going. That's where we find Abraham and Sarah. So this morning, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, and we're going to look at how believing in God's promises can change our view of our uncertainty. Let me read. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant of my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. God bless the reading of his word. Let's, let's look at, uh, back at verse 1. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great Reward. Well, why would Abram be afraid? Well, there's two words at the very beginning of this verse that indicate to us that some, some things have happened between Genesis 12, where we see God, God has asked him to pack up all their things and trust him in faith and step out on that. Between then and now, in, in chapter 15, uh, we, we see that, that a lot has happened. Um, a lot has happened. A few years have passed. Um, we, we see that, uh, that, God, or that, that Abram has stepped out in this faith, that he's taken his family and moved, that they, they, they've moved around a lot. And actually, God has actually showed them where they were going to land. But there were people living there. And so he says, not yet. Uh, and then also, uh, Abram has also gathered a lot of possessions, a lot of wealth, but no child yet. And on top of all of that, uh, there's a war that breaks out in the area where, uh, where Abram is living, and his, and his nephew Lot is taken, and so he has to go rescue him. So what is Abram afraid of? Well, take a pick of any of those. There's, there's a lot of things going on in his life, but, but we know that from this passage and, and what God is, is, the communication between God and Abram is that he is still facing a lot of uncertainty. Despite what God said in chapter 12, there was no land to be occupied and there were no children to be had. I want you to think about that for a minute. Abraham has risked everything. He's, he's taken his whole, he's taken his wife, they've left their home, all they knew, uh, and all the safety and the security of the known, and they've stepped out in faith into the unsecure unsure, and the unknown. 
He was struggling with what was in front of him. He was struggling to see where God's direction was. He was struggling to see the purpose that God had for this situation in his life. So can you see the stress, the anxiety, the discouragement that he may feel in this moment? And I think, me, I know I can relate with this, and I think we all can on some level. Well, the rest of this passage provides us with some truth to give Abram and and us some direction uh, for this. The first truth I want us to understand this morning is when life is uncertain, God's promises are true. Uh, Something to know about me is that I love to have a plan. Um, I love to to know what's going to happen and to know how it's going to happen. And so the bigger the thing is in my life, uh, the more I want to have a plan for that thing. So when it comes to something like uh, what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, uh, what I was going to do with the rest of my life, I really wanted to have a plan in place. So when I was a junior in high school, um, I went on a ride along with a police officer who was a neighbor of mine. And I, much to my mom's uh, fear, I loved it. Uh, I went home and I said, look, to my parents, I said, look, this this is what I think I want to do. My mom's response was, I knew you were going to say that. Uh, I loved it. Um, uh, I, was, I was pumped. And so right then, um, I started uh, the planning. I started the, the lifelong process of, of focusing toward that goal. Um, I was, uh, was going to go to college. I was going uh, uh, to then apply to a, a larger department um, so that I could, I could get on there. And then eventually I wanted to be a Texas Ranger, not the helmet, but the cowboy hat, Texas Ranger. Uh, that, that was my goal. I wanted to, I wanted to do that. I, I thought that that was what the Lord had for my life. Um, and like I said, I had it all planned out, and it was going well. I, I, I went to Baylor. Um, I was minoring in criminal justice. I loved all my criminal justice classes. Um, I got a great internship that got me some experience and some connections. And then I graduated, and I started uh, looking for jobs. And this is where it started going downhill. Some crazy things started happening. I, I, uh, I, I was in the middle of some hiring processes, and there were hiring freezes right in the middle of it. There were other things that happened, like it, it, just, it just became really difficult to find even places to apply. So I began to see that this was maybe not going to be the path that my life was going to take. Um, I, I, my, my thoughts on God's purpose for my life were being challenged, and I, I became pretty discouraged. This was a really difficult time in my life. I, I, I began to do other little jobs while I was trying to figure that out. Um, but it was really hard. I saw all my friends moving on with their lives, and I just felt stuck. I was depressed. I was frustrated. I was really wondering what God was doing in my life and when he would move. I began to pray things probably similar to, to what Abram is praying. Like, Lord, I thought this is what you had for my life. Why is this not turning out like I thought it would? Why, why am I stuck? I, I, I feel like I'm going to be like this forever. What am I supposed to do while I wait to hear what you have for me? But let me tell you this. I learned a lot during that time of my life. I learned that there are going to be times in our lives where we feel stuck or in the dark or we wonder why God seems so far away. 
I learned that, that there, there, there will be those times. And I want to say really quickly that if you are in one of those times right now in your life, that you are not the only person that's ever felt like that. You're not alone. You don't have to feel guilty or shameful for feeling like that. Because in fact, I learned some of the hardest but most impactful lessons of my life during that time. And while those times were incredibly difficult, I'm thankful for how God used that to reveal himself to me. Well, guess what? Abram is going through a, a, a situation where he feels stuck. He thought his life would be in one place, but it just isn't. He was promised a son, a great nation, a land for his people, and he doesn't have any of it. But look at what... But uh, or his circumstances surely didn't match his expectations. Th this hits so close for me. In that time in my life, my expectations of what my life were going to look like did not match my circumstances. I think that's, that happens to us, where we expect one thing, but our circumstances say something different. But look at how God responds to Abram uh, in this. He says uh, in, verse, in verse 1 at the end, I am your shield and your great reward. You know, I would almost expect God uh, in the midst of, of, of this for him to remind Abram of uh, his promises in, in chapter 12. But God doesn't respond with an impatient, look, Abram, how many times do I have to tell you this? Or will you just chill out? Let me, let me figure it out. I got this. No, instead, res God responds simply by reminding Abram of who he is. He says, I'm, don't be afraid, I'm your shield and your great reward. I'm your protection and your provision. You know, Abram's story is both universal and specific to him in his situation. He, his story captures this intimate personal relationship between God and a man seeking to follow him. We, we see in Isaiah and 2 Chronicles and James that Abraham is described as a friend of God. They had a special relationship. Spoiler alert, he does become the, the father of the nation of Israel. And, 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 and he does have this great nation. And actually it leads to the birth of Christ. They have a special relationship. This story and the, thing God, the things God says and reveals to him in this moment are personal to him. But this story, along with so many others throughout Scripture, are also uh, universal in that they serve to teach us about our relationship, our individual relationship with God also. It provides insight into God's character and how he actively engages his people, us. God is telling Abram he doesn't have to worry uh, that they haven't yet made it to, their, to the promised land because guess what? He would show them the way and he would protect them. They don't have to, they don't have to worry about uh, the provision of an heir because he would provide in his way and in his time because he promised he would. That is, was a specific message from God to Abram. But God also produces on a promise of provision and protection for us in his son Jesus. In Matthew 11, we see Jesus as, as our true rest when we're weary and broken. In John 10, we see him as a source of abundant life, not, not how uh, the world describes abundance, but, but a true, purposeful, joyful life with him. 
The amount of money we have, the possessions we have, the relationships we have, while those can be really good things, none of those provide what Jesus does. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. All of God's promises have been fulfilled or will be fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And we have direct access to him. By having a personal and intimate relationship with Christ, we find great provision and protection, the same protection and provision that God promised Abram. Now, that doesn't mean that life's always going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that uh, difficulty or uncertainty goes away. That's not what God promises. But what it does mean is that, that we, when we have this, this, this uh, personal relationship with Jesus, that we have him as the constant anchor for, for, for our entire life, for every part of our life. While there will be areas of uncertainty, Jesus is always certain. Uh, so, so when life gets difficult, when life is good, when, it's, when it seems easy, when, when it's confusing or uncertain, in all aspects of life, we can trust in the promises of God to be uh, deep spiritual rest, to, to provide wisdom and discernment where it's needed, to provide real joy, hope. But here's the thing about promises. They do us no good unless we believe in them and we act on them. We, we, we have to not only believe in his promises, but we also have to live like they're true. And that's the second truth I want us to understand. We have to believe what God promises and live like those promises are true. Abraham needed to learn this lesson. He had a tendency to slip into self-protection and to focus on his circumstances instead of God. Look at what Abram proposes in verse 2 and 3 of Genesis 15. He says this, But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one uh, who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Well, Abram seems a little bitter here. He, he, uh, he, uh, he tries, he seems like he's trying to reconcile the situation. He tries to give, kind of tries to give God a, an easy way out here. He says, hey, look, um, I know you've got this great plan. It doesn't look like it's going like you want it to. So why don't we just use this guy? We'll sub in this guy that's already a part of my family, already part of my house, um, to, to just do this. We'll, we'll get to the end result, and, and we'll, get, we'll, we'll get there faster, and it'll be okay. Well, um, this, this kind of made me think of two different kinds of families on a road trip. The first family is one that um, they, 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 have, uh, they have their destination in place. Um, they, they just kind of journey along the way. They, they, they may stop um, at, on a whim because they saw a billboard that had something cool on it. So they pull off and look at that. And, and their itinerary is real loose. They have a, a time they kind of want to get there and a route they kind of want to take. But that may change. And they may get there a little bit afterwards. They're just enjoying the journey. And then there's the second family. I think you know where I'm going with this. The dad says, all right, everybody better go to the bathroom before we get in this car because we're not stopping until we fill up with gas. Um, they're, they're the family that wants to get to the destination as quickly as possible. 
Uh, they, uh, the driver typically is playing the beat the ETA game, right? <laughs> they they want to get there fast. Um, and they only stop for one of two reasons. One, they got to fill up with gas, or two, someone's going to the emergency room. That's the only two, the only two reasons they're stopping, right? I will say, me and my family typically fall in the second category. Um, I, like, I don't feel like the vacation's really started till we get to the destination, you know? So I try to get there as quickly and safely. We're not, you know, and safely, I'll say that. Uh, we get there as quickly and safely as possible. Um, well, I, I, think, uh, I think that's where, what Abram is doing here. He, he, is, he is so concerned with the end outcome that, that he wasn't as concerned with allowing God to be his shield and his great reward, his protector and his provider. He wanted to get to the end outcome as quickly as possible. He's tired of waiting. And you know what? I know I can get this way, and I think all of us can get this way in our life. We get so eager to get to the next thing, to get everything figured out that we miss our journey with Christ. Warren Wiersbe says this in his commentary on this passage. God didn't expect Abram and Sarah to figure out how to have their heir. All he asked is that they would be available so he could accomplish his purpose in and through them. What a profound statement of how to trust God's promises even in uncertainty. But also, what a hard thing to do. Uh, Sometimes God is asking us just to wait on him. Not to take things in our own hands, not to rush into quick decisions, not to jump into a job, a relationship, or a financial decision, but wait on him. You know, during that time in my life, right after college, this was the hardest part for me. This was by far the hardest part, the, the, the waiting. I, I had forgotten the truth that we heard John say a few weeks ago, that God isn't just the source of blessing, he is the blessing. God is our blessing. We're not to be so worried about what God has for us in the future that we miss the journey with him. Because let's look at how God responds to Abram in this, in verses 4 and 5. Well, well, 5, but let's look at 4 first. It says, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Verse 5, he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Behind what Abram was saying here was that, look, God, I can be my own shield. I can be my own protection. I can be my own provision. But what God is saying was, no, I am all of those things for you. He's saying, look, if I... Yes, I'm going to fulfill this promise to you, but if I had never promised this to you, if I would never give you this land, if I would never give you this great nation, Abram, I am enough for you. And church, I'm here to tell you this morning, God is enough for you. Uh, he, he is sufficient in all your circumstances, in your pain, in your suffering, in your challenges. He provides more than any possession, relationship, or dollar bill ever will. Because look at the differences in the outcome of what Abram proposes and what God actually promises. Abram proposes that somebody not even from his bloodline is going is to be the heir of this promise to Abram. But God promises that he will have descendants as countless as the stars. 
things we couldn't even imagine that God has for our life, he has for our life. That's why we need to trust in his promises in every area of our life, even and especially as uncertainty comes. When we do this, this is what happens. The writer tells us in verse 6, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He believed. We've been talking about that. The, the, the belief, this word belief in the Hebrew means much more than just trusting some, something. It means leaning your whole weight upon it. This reminds me when I was a kid and I would like climb up on a countertop or up on a table or on a diving board like before I could swim. And if my, if my dad was standing there with his arms stretched out promising to catch me, I would jump, no hesitation. Now, Sometimes I would actually probably jump when he wasn't looking, you know, start the wrestling match, get a jump on him. But you get the point. Uh, when, 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 I, when my dad was there promising to catch me, I would throw myself off without a single concern of the outcome because I was literally throwing my whole weight uh, and, and fully believed the promise that my dad was going to catch me. I didn't have a question about that. And this is what God desires from us. That, that we believe and, true, and trust in, in, his, in, his, in his outstretched arms. What does this look like? Well, it looks like life change. To believe in, in God, uh, it includes an acknowledgement of his existence, of course. But true belief in God is, is more than that. To believe in God is to put our full confidence in him. To believe in God is to understand and accept the, all the aspects of, of who God says he is. Our belief much, must match the reality of his truth and who he says he is. In, in, in his perfection, in, in him being all-knowing, all-sufficient, undeniable, true, faithful, gracious, loving, merciful, holy, and just. Must trust in all of those things. So when verse 6 says that Abraham believed in the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness, it's saying that he leaned fully into the wholeness of who God was. That kind of faith and belief uh, that is accredited to, to uh, Abram takes the whole person. The mind understands the truth. The heart uh, desires to know him and his truth. Uh, and, and, the, and the will acts upon the truth. Our actions line up with our belief. When we do that, it begins a relationship that radically changes and alters our, our life, the way it looks. When we believe like Abram did, we find our faith, a faith that begins to show itself in our everyday. Which takes us to the last part of verse 6 where it says, So Abram believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Righteousness. This was Abraham's biggest need. This is our biggest need. As it says in, 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 in Romans 3, 23, that we're all sinful. In fact, the message says it this way, and we have proved that we are utterly incapable of living glorious lives God's wills, God wills for us. So God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift he got us out of the mess we were in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. This is what it means to be made righteous. To be made right 
in right standing with God. That's what it means when, when the author of Genesis promises uh, to credit this to Abram as righteousness. And the way this was written, it suggests that, that an ongoing activity, it's, it's a continued believing in, in, in his promises. Abram was continually relying on God uh, to restore him and make him right. And this is the same ongoing and sanctifying relationship we're to have with God too. An ongoing seeking of God in, in our everyday. Now, Abram wasn't perfect. We've already seen that, and we will continue to see that. Uh, but his faith in God's promises showed itself in the way he trusted God. Not by anything he could have done, but because of the trust he put in God's promises, it made him right with him. Abram took this seriously in his life. He believed what God promised and lived as if it was true. That's our role as people who seek to follow Jesus is, is to, to, to believe the promises of God and to live it out every day. What a thing for us to think about this week. Where does our belief and our living not match up? Where, where do we need to, to, to where, where, where are we not putting our full weight of our faith on God's promises? Where do we need to, to trust God? Where do we need to focus on being available and just saying to God, use me as you see fit? God knows we aren't perfect, just like he knew Abraham wasn't perfect. But he still gives us the, the chance to be made right through Jesus. To live lives that, that, that were, we were designed and called to live and experience a great joy and blessing that comes with an intentional relationship with him. And trusting in his promises and living as though they're true. Because they are. Let's pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, we are... Um, we're humbled to be in your presence this morning. Father, often we, we try to take things into our own hands, but Father, we ask that you, you, you challenge us in those areas of our life to give those over to you, to, to trust in your promises every day so that we can live the joy-filled life that you promise us that you will give us. Father, you are great in mercy, great in love, Father, I pray that as we um, seek a relationship with you, that in the uncertainty of life, that we focus on what is always certain. And that's you. It's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.